Everybody say revelation knowledge. Everybody wants revelation. That's what we need. Revelation is simply light that comes on the scene to help you out. It's like darkness, walking through darkness, and then the light switches is uh, turned, and uh, wow, I can see what I couldn't see before. That's always my prayer for you as it uh, pertains to God's word. Now, uh, tonight uh, is significant because tonight atonement begins at sundown. Today in Israel, the priests will go and they'll take the ram's horn called the shofar and they'll make long blasts and they'll probably televise it. You can catch it online or something. And they'll blow the horn in Israel signifying the days of awe have begun. Days of awe, A-W-E. Everybody say days of awe. So that's what the next 10 days will be called, the days of awe awesomeness of God or all of what God can do and will do. So tonight begins Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah means the head or the beginning of the year. Now there are two uh, there are two new years in God's calendar, the civil and spiritual new years. You have Passover and then you have atonement. Passover is Easter time. Uh, atonement is happening tonight at sundown for the next 10 days. And each time God says, I start something new. I, I'm willing to start fresh with the people. I'm, I'm willing to give them a brand new beginning. How many is ready for a brand new, oh, Jesus? I got both hands and a foot. Hallelujah. So I'm believing God for big things too as it relates to our ministry, as it relates to me and my wife personally, and for you because my job is to pray for you as well. So, um, <clears throat> and so, uh, so God says, I, I, this is the head or the beginning of the year, and the way, that you, the way that you walk into this year will determine what's the effect or what will be the results of it. And these 10 days of awe will culminate at the end of Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, so it's Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur ends on October 9th. So it's 10 days starting tonight. And Yom means day. It means day. The day. And Kippur means to atone or to repent. So God says, I'm setting forth a day in which my people, an appointment in which my people will come to atone for their sin and repent for what they've done wrong. Now, God's perfect. He doesn't have to repent for anything, right? It's us that has to adjust our lives and lifestyles to Him and to His will and to His way. And so that's what Yom Kippur means. It means to make it right again or to, to repent or to atone. Now, the cover of the ark, and you'll see this many times. We have, we have our ark normally. We'd have it here, but we had one built, and, and it's a gold box. It's a box, the Bible talks about, that was, that was overlaid with gold. And then there was a lid that was put on the, on the box, and what was inside the box was uh, the Aaron's rod that budded. It was the Ten Commandments, uh, and it was the staff. And so that it was the um, uh, it, it was the manna, and those three items were inside of the the ark of the covenant, and God said, "Now make me a tabernacle, would be a temple now, but then it was a tabernacle uh, made of uh, different types of animal skins and badger skins included, and um, it was it was to be erected and to be able to to be uh, broken down and to be put back up very quickly, and the ark was to go into the holy of holies, so there was a veil inside of the tabernacle." The veil was about four inches thick. It was hung um, by, um, by brass rings. And, um, and so the, the priest would go in once a year to make atonement for the sin. Now, the lid on top of that, of top of that ark, or that, that box, was called the kippurette. 
Now, the kippereh is what we would call the mercy seat. That's what God would call the mercy seat. It was, it was made by the artisans in Moses' time uh, to uh, resemble two cherubims. And the cherubims were fastened on top of that lid, and they faced one another, and their, their wings expanded out, and they touched. So making kind of a seat. And that's where God decided he would meet with his people once a year, He'd meet with his people to atone for their sin, and he would make his throne the mercy seat. His presence would come once a year and sit upon the mercy seat. And the priest would go in, and once a year, he would atone for the, with the offerings, the blood sacrifices of the bull, the sheep, the lambs, and he would atone for the sin and go in. Now, they would do something special with the priest. Now, y'all want to be preaching. All, all these preachers want to get out there, and they want to get a microphone in their hand, and they want to preach. I probably, I would probably say you would not want to do that if what I'm about to tell you was the truth for today. Back in those days, the Bible says they went to God with fear and trembling because he was awesome. In other words, if you didn't do it God's way, he knew you weren't perfect, but if you didn't do it perfectly. In other words, what he told you to do wasn't obeyed perfectly, there was penalty for it. And so what they would do is they'd tie a cord around the priests, they shove him in that dark room. Someone say amen and say, make atonement for us. And he'd go in there with a cord wrapped around his leg, his, his ankle, and they put little, they, they sold little bells in the bottom of his robe. As long as they heard the priest moving around and worshiping God inside of, behind that veil in the Holy of Holies, in front of the mercy seat of God, in front of the kippurette, the atonement of God, as long as they heard the bells, it was okay, but as soon as the bells stopped, uh-oh, and they had to yank on that cord. And if he, if he didn't respond, they would pull his dead body out because there was sin in the camp. How many thank God that nowadays Jesus forgives us? Hallelujah. And the mercy seat is in our hearts. Come on, y'all. And he lives in us. And he's working with us. Tap your neighbor and say, he's working with you too. Yes, he is. He's working with all of us. That was the kippered. That was the mercy seat. Very powerful. Now, <clears throat> Church, God works in seasons, cycles, and patterns. They're, 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 they're laid out in the word of God. In other words, for instance, Jesus uh, could not have died just any other day. It couldn't have been my, my birthday or your birthday because we feel special. No. He died specifically at the time of Passover. Why did he die at the time of Passover? Because God works in seasons and cycles and patterns. He works in seasons specifically, and he had to die during the time of Passover because every lamb that was sacrificed in Israel until Jesus came was a type or a shadow of things to come in the Messiah. Jesus, that's why John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He became the last lamb sacrificed to be given up on that cross on Calvary. Somebody say Amen. And his blood was spilt that we could be atoned of our sin once and for all and have access to God. But the, pop, the, 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 the idea is, is that he couldn't have been sacrificed at just any moment. It was right in the middle of Passover. God's new beginning. Now let's look at Joel chapter 2. And by the way, I'll get to it in a moment. But this is where we get the seven blessings during atonement that God says, I'm going to give you during this time. And I'll go back on in just a moment. But let me read it. It's a little bit lengthy, but let's go over it. Blow the trumpet in Zion. That's what's going to happen tonight. He's talking, about, he's talking about this time of atonement. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. That's what we're doing. 
Gather the people. Okay, we're doing that too. Sanctify the congregation. That means to set apart. We're doing that. Assemble the elders. We've done that. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. What does that mean? That means everything you have planned, stop. God says, I don't care if it's a wedding. It's not going on right now. This is how serious this is, all right? Then it says, he says this, let the priest minister to the Lord, weep before the porch and the altar, and let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your reproach, your heritage to reproach, that the nation should rule over them. And by the way, I've stepped up my prayer life, so now I'll be here every night, this next 10 days, to begin to give God that. I'm going to cry loud, spare not. I'm going to believe God on behalf of the people. He says, where, they will say to the people, where is their God? In other words, God didn't come through for them. Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. And be glad, then he said, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. Watch this. He, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain when? In the first month. We get two rains. We get former and latter rain. That's a double portion when? In the first month. When is the first, first month? Atonement is the first month. It's one of God's new beginnings, okay? So it's the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat. The vat shall overflow with new wine. Abundance is coming to you, prosperity. So I restore to you the years uh, that the swarming locust has eaten. God says restoration is coming to you. Any crawling locust, consuming locust, chewing locust that's eaten up in your life, God says I'll restore it. My great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat and plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who's dealt wondrously with you. That means miraculously. And he says this, my people shall never be put to shame. God removes all shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other God. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I pour out my, of my flesh, of my spirit rather, on all flesh, that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. The supernatural prophetic begins to get awakened. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders, miracles in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness. That's talking about a, uh, uh, that's talking about solar eclipse. Um, the moon into blood. That's that's the, the lunar eclipse or blood moons. Uh, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm gonna be calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be what? Deliverance. God's gonna deliver His people, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord. Calls. Now, this, in fact, is speaking of the atonement season that we're entering into tonight. It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. It's called the Feast of Trumpets. It's, it's named as both of those, Tabernacles and Trumpets. Now, feast means an appointment. So God says, I set an appointment with my people. It's on my calendar. I'm setting the appointment. You're not setting the appointment with me. I'm setting it with you and when the king sets the appointment, you better show up. Amen. That's the whole point. It shows honor to God. I'm going to show up because you're asking me to show up in your presence. But I wanted to point this out too. I pointed out in first service that, again, uh, seasons, cycles, and patterns with God. God uh, sent Jesus to the earth at the exact right cycle. God, the, the, the Bible talks about Jesus dying at the right exact season of time. And the same is true for his return. Jesus, how much looking for Jesus to come back? You know, he is going to come back. Y'all know that, right? 
And the Bible says he's going to come as a thief in the night. That means you must be ready. Amen. Now, here's the cool thing. We don't know the day or the hour. Not even the Son of Man knows that. But we can know the seasons and the times. That's what the Bible says we can know. Now, what does that mean? That means that you know that Jesus could come back tonight all the way through October 9th. He's going to come back during the time of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, the days of all atonement. He's going to, why? Because the Bible emphatically says it's the feast of trumpets. And when Jesus returned, the Bible says he's going to return with the trump of God. It's during the feast or the appointment of trumpets that Jesus will come come back. It won't just be any willy-nilly time. It will actually be during that time. That's how important this stuff is. Now, I wanted to signify this. That during the atonement is when God created man. So God creates man out of the dust of the ground during the season of atonement. Did you also know that Noah, in fact, uh, was told by God to, to build an ark um, for he and his family for safety? Because they were the only righteous people left on the earth. But he expected him to keep preaching for 100 years. They lived a long time in those days. And, and 100 years, to pre- he was a preacher of righteousness, not one converted person. That might frustrate you a little bit, frustrate you a little bit. That might discourage, discourage you from preaching again. But he said, preach it anyways. Trying to get people safe. God's always trying to show mercy to people. And so they didn't do it. And, and God says, today's the day. I'm going to send rain in the earth. What's rain? Because nobody knew what rain was. It never rained on the earth before. The earth was always watered by the dew of the ground. And so he said, now get in this, this boat you've made, this ark, and close the door. And when he closed the door, God sealed it. That, that day was during the day of atonement. And God says, I'm going to start brand new, a new beginning for mankind. I just don't want to be them other people. Come on, somebody. I want to be on the ark, praise God. How about Job? Job, the Bible says, went through an in, intense trial, intense painful uh, not just physical stuff that he's going through, but he lost family and his, his children and, and just his friends that rejected him. It was just a terrible time. He, he was in physical agony. And it was 18 months, they say, it's about that Job was dealing with all this stuff. But at the end of it, the Bible says that God gave Job, restored to Job, double for all that he had lost. Do you know when that was? It was during the time of atonement. God always wants to give you double for your trouble. And that's just the beginning point. He will pay up to seven times you can find the thief. I'm going to leave that right there, praise God. This time of year is where God historically offers a way out of the rock and the hard place. I've got messages on the rock and the hard place. I ain't going to preach that right now. But I just know people in this room have been dealing with something. You've been up against things. you got your back to the wall. It's like you don't know. You have no answers on how to get out of your situation. Don't you understand? That's where God deals with you wondrously. That's where miracles. You say, how is it going to get done? It's a God thing. God knows how to get you out. God's got a way of escape. God can make a way where there is no way. And that's all we got to do is do it the way God expects us to do it. 
If we'll just meet with him and do what he asks us to do, we'll see God do miracles. Yes, you are in a hard position. Just like Israel was in a hard position when they were being screamed at by a man named Goliath in a valley. And he was huge, 13 foot tall, a massive guy, over a 125 pound sword. And he goes and says, I'll tell you what, no need to go into war today. If you bring out your best guy and we fight and he takes me out, we'll all bow to you and become your slave. But if I take him out, you all bow. And nobody would step up to the plate, including our our fearless leader, King Saul. But David, I said, David is sent by his father to go check on his brothers and send him a little bit of meal to him. And David is the one that was behind the, 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 the corners that nobody knew about that slew a bear with his bare hands and took care, took out a lion with his bare hands. He knew the power of his God. And when he saw that Goliath was in that valley, he said, hold on a second here. How dare he? Who does he think he is to curse us out and curse our God out? Give me a shot. And Saul tried to put his armor on him, and it was too big for, for him. And he said, I don't need all this stuff. I took care of things when nobody else was looking. And my God came upon me, and he said, take me to a brook. He went down the brook and picked out five smooth stones. He said, I only need one, but I'm going to make sure because he's got four other brothers. So if i got to fight the brothers today, I'm going to be prepared. I said, if i got to fight the brothers today, i got to be prepared. you got to be prepared for military warfare in the spirit. you got to understand, it may come at you different ways. God's got a way and an answer for every way to get you out of your situation and defeat your enemy. And he slung that thing and that rock went and hit him and it's all part of his forehead and took him out and he killed that beast. I'm just trying to say, you might be in a situation where you're, you're facing a giant, but in the time of atonement, giants come down. How many is going to put your faith out there and say, God, today, I'm going to do it your way and not my way and my giant's coming down. What about Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel in the lion's den. Well, we, we talk about it like it's a children's story. That's a real story. He said, King Darius, I will not play by your rules. Only God has control of my life. He wouldn't bow to him, and therefore what's he do? He says, I tell you what, you won't answer me the way I want. You're going to go into the lion's den. Then feed me to your lions. He was in there, and the Bible says he was there all night, and them lions never touched one hair of his head. And when he woke up in the morning, King Darius said, I got to go check on Daniel. Went in there, Dan, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. What do you mean you're still there? Got the best night's sleep I ever had. These things are great to cuddle up to. They keep me warm and everything. He said only God could do something like that. When was it? It was during the time of atonement that D Daniel faced the lions and God spared him. And as a result, King Darius said, God can only do that. Therefore, I want God on my side and made him his right-hand man. I'm talking about a promotion from people that hate your guts. And then his friends, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they would not bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar and King Nebuchadnezzar. Said, if they don't bow down, they're going to have to burn. Let's stoke that fire. He said, well, they said, we're not going to bow down because we serve the living God. We only bow our knee to God Almighty. He said, well, if you don't bow, you're going to get thrown in that fire furnace. He said, just hear this. The Lord shall deliver us out of your hand, O King Nebuchadnezzar. But if he does not, we still will not bow. I want to get around some Christian folk that says, even if God doesn't come the way through, the way through, I think he should. I'm still going to stand up for righteousness. Yeah. 
and threw them in. And the only thing that got burned were the very binds that had them bound. And Jesus showed up in the midst of the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, well, I thought we threw three guys in there. There's one, two, three, four. There's four in there. And that one looks different. He looks like the son of God. And if God before them, ain't nobody going to be against them. I better get them on my side. And God, in one day, delivered them on the fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, you're my right-hand man from now on. I'm talking about a promotion. When? During the time of atonement. That's when Israel came out of Egypt and walked across on dry ground and killed every last one of them soldiers and left them to dead in that watery grave and they were able to go on to the promised land. It was on the time of atonement and their debt was canceled. Leviticus chapter 23. I'm going to calm down. Chapter 2. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation. What are the feasts again? Chicken? It's appointments. These are my feast. You shall do no customary work on it. In other words, quit. This is not a time to better you. And you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. That simply means an offering given that was given, it's irrevocable, not to be received back. So God said, I want you to offer something selflessly and willingly to me. I want you to pray. I want you to get things right with me. And I want you to bring an offering to me. Why is this time so important to us? This is the time that God makes decisions about our future according to the word of God. What we do now determines what we will be by the end of next year. Think about it. Why is it that it seems we move from one year after the other with no change at all? Could it be that we have simply not observed God's seasonal blessings and his, his seasons properly? That we don't understand how he works cycle in cycles and, and in patterns? Could it be that we've just missed the whole idea of atonement? You know, you hear me preach this year after year, but how many actually really do this? Could it be that we're not just simply obeying what God... Some say, well, Pastor, that's, that's Old Testament now. Now with Jesus, he, he ratified. We're part of the New Testament. Okay, I got you. I got you, but we don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Jesus came to fulfill, and that doesn't mean that it's it's that doesn't mean that it's not for today. It means that it's something that's built on. You don't build a second story and knock the first story down. You build on the second story, you build on the first story, and you build your house up that way. Someone say amen. You keep the foundation where it's supposed to be. And by the way, these seasons we're talking about show God's mercy. His mercy to get things right, to get a second chance, to get some miracles and wondrous things happening in our lives. Um, Zechariah 14 says this in verse 16, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king. And, and this is talking about one of those seasons. And the Lord of hosts and to keep uh, to worship the Lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles. That's atonement. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. So God, what's rain mean today? It means favor. We need rain for our seed that's been planted. So the seed can come up and bring a crop. We need God's favor over what we do in our lives, our seed, the things that we put out there in order for it to bring 
a harvest. He said, if you don't do it, there's no going to rain, no rain going to come. And he said uh, this. He said, if uh, the family, uh, I'm sorry, where did I leave off? Uh, on them, if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. They shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. What does that mean today? It means things are not going to go well. If we don't have the blessing, the curse comes as a result. The blessing keeps the curse out of our lives. This is God's time. I cannot stress it enough. It's not your time. It may be the most inconvenient time for you. It doesn't matter. God says, I've penciled you. I've penned you in. I've highlighted this season. This is for me, for you to meet with me. So what have you planned that's just not as important as what God has planned? And according to Jewish tradition... According to Jewish tradition, there are heavenly books that will be opened and God inscribed each person's fate for the coming year into those books on Rosh Hashanah. And he waits until Yom Kippur to seal the verdict. He's waiting to see what you're going to do. This takes place during the days of awe. A Jew will begin to amend their behavior and seek forgiveness for wrong done against God and against his fellow man. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are set aside for public and private petitions and confessions of God guilt with the desire to be forgiven by God. So the main objective here is that we do, according to Malachi chapter 3, is that we return to God. Because we've got to be honest with ourselves. Yes, you love God. Nobody's going to question your love for God. Not even Him. But are our actions, how we live our life, our behaviors. You know, what we allow into our world, is it really pleasing unto the Lord? we got to be honest. Ah, probably not. And so he's saying, I require that you return to me. And he says, if you return to me, what? I'll return to you. It will be mutual. But i got to see something in your part. And what he says is it's a time of repentance. Medanao in the Greek, but in, in the Old Testament, we see it in the time of Kippur, which means atonement, or in the name of Kippur. It means atonement and it means repentance. So I'm going what? I'm repenting. I'm returning pent, penthouse. I'm returning to the top. I'm returning back to God. I'm making a turn around. I'm going this direction. That's a wrong direction. Now I'm going this direction. I'm repenting of my action and returning to God. Now statement. If you want or need a miracle from God, then act like it. Don't be nonchalant about it. If you need a miracle from God, talk like it. If you need a miracle from God, live like it. If you need a miracle from God, give like it. Make God your priority. Why, Pastor? Jesus laid it out, Matthew chapter 6, 33, when he's teaching the disciples how to pray. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the first thing he says is you want to make things good, you want power in your life, make God your first priority. Seek him first, seek his kingdom, seek his ways of doing, seek his rightness, his righteousness, and then all these things. What things? All the things the Gentiles desire. He's talking to the disciples. He said, look, I know what they want. I know what you need. You need your kids to have good education. You need to have a new car. You got to have a new home. You got to have food in your belly. You got to have some new clothes. Yes, you need to take care of the vacation. He knows the things that you need. He said, but if you'll seek the first the kingdom of God and his rightness, then all those things will be added to you. It's putting God first. 
That's what this time is all about, making it right, putting God first. So how does that translate to us that are living in the new covenant? Well, I, I will say this. I don't have a lot of time, but I will say this to you, that Jesus himself kept the feast. Jesus, God, walked on earth in the form of Jesus, kept the feast. Did you know that Peter, Paul, all the disciples, all the apostles, they all kept the Passover. They all kept Pentecost. They all kept um, atonement. They all kept the feast. Did you know that Christians in history, for 300 years after Jesus ascended to the Father, they all kept the feast? Gentile Christians. That was the biggest group of people, were the saved Gentiles. And they all kept the feast until Constantine came and Constantine decided he wanted, he didn't want all these other religions. He wanted one world religion and made a decision that heathen holidays become Christian holidays and Christian holidays become heathen holidays. And he moved all the timetables on the Jews because he did not care. And so now we've changed all the, all the schedule has been changed and we've been on the Gregorian calendar ever since. That was never God's calendar. I'm not saying it's wrong to live by January through, through December. I'm just simply saying we got to remember God in those seasons. And church, there is a reward for obedience. And there is great temptation during this season to want to do anything but obey God. I mean, it's hard enough on our flesh we want to pray. You know how it is. I mean, I'm going to pray. I feel like praying. I'm starting tomorrow every day for one hour. And you can't even get out of bed for one minute, let alone one hour. But during this season, it gets doubly hard. You've got to make up your mind because the devil's going to attack your flesh, make you feel a certain kind of way or whatever, and you're not going to want to do it. But you've got to do it because this is what God requires. Not, the temptations of not to read your Bible, not to pray, not to go to church, not to give an offering, not to, do it, not to witness your neighbor, whatever God tells you to do. And it's all these temptations. We want to live just for self because that's how we are as human beings. We want self to be Lord. We gotta show God that no, I'm not Lord. You're Lord of all. And if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. James chapter 112 says, Blessed, come on, empowered to prosper is what that means, is the man who endures temptation. So when that sleep comes knocking on your door when you're supposed to pray, you're gonna pray anyways. You say, Lord, I'm so tired, I'm gonna give you what I got. I can't promise how long, but I'm gonna be obedient to what you asked me to do. And you'll find out, you'll find some strength. You'll wake right up. You just got to do it. Amen. For when he has been approved through the temptation, he, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's just showing you that there's a reward to simple obedience.